This is the Accounting Insider Show. So this is another thing that a lot of investors are unaware of. There's got to be an easier way. It's achievable for anyone. It doesn't cost anything to set up a business. Because there are many great ideas out there, but it's the people that make ideas happen. Because once you unlock this formula, you, there's no reason to stop. You just get better and better at it. You just make so much money out of it. I'm just pressing record, and this is, um, we're just going all in on this. This is uh, the story of me buying my latest property. Um, this is property number seven. Uh, this is an awesome story, so kick back, relax, grab yourself a coffee. Um, if you're doing a long drive, it's going to be a perfect podcast to listen to because this is a long story, and I want to go through all of the details because um, I think that the devil is in the details. Understanding exactly what was going through my mind at any point in time um, might actually um, piece together the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And if you can understand techniques and sort of um, strategies that I used in negotiating this deal, um, you might be able to use them for your own advantage. Anyway, let's go back. So... I'm just going to change a couple of things in this story. So I'm not going to re- reveal the name of the real estate agent or what I use the property for or its location just because, um, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it looks like it was a really good deal and I think I played the game really, really well. But maybe not everyone else um, would have that opinion and I don't sort of want to talk um, badly of anyone involved in the deal. But... So let's just launch into it. So um, this whole journey began 12 years ago. Now, I'm just going to stop right there because I can't believe the number of times that people come to me and they say that they've been looking for a property. And I'll say, so how long have you been looking? And they'll say, oh, three months, six months. In a lot of situations, it's maybe one to two months. But it's, and, and to their credit, the one to two months is hard looking like, It's every night looking online, looking at what properties are coming up. But it's easy to get disheartened after four to six weeks of every day. So what's that? Um, 30 to 45 days of just every night relentlessly checking online, speaking to agents, checking the newspaper, all of that with no result. This journey took me 12 years. So I don't really, I, I, that's just how long sometimes these deals take. Anyway, let's go back to it. So this property was in the vicinity of my current office. I'm not going to say exactly where it was, but it was in the vicinity. For 12 years, I was trying to establish a relationship with the owner of the property. For 12 years. The owner of the property was 95 in the end. So I started talking to him about buying it when he was 83. And it was just a casual chat every time we'd catch up. I mean, I got to know his name. Um, Whenever I saw him putting his bins out, I would stop and go and have a chat. Every time I saw him for 12 years. I know that seems like an exaggeration, but it was true. And... You know, I had the underlying motive of acquiring the property, but um, I was just looking for every opportunity to catch up with him. And he was actually a nice guy, and his wife was out there with him. And even if they weren't putting the bins out, they were doing some gardening or whatever, I'd I'd always sort of just just go and say g'day. No hidden agenda. No, no, like, I want to buy your property. Do you want to sell? It was none of that. It was just, it was just building up a relationship. Um, how are you? What are you doing? How's your health been? Um, did you see such and such happen recently? Um, yeah, it was good. It was good. It, it, I mean, it felt very comfortable. It didn't feel fake. It felt genuine. Um, so, um, I bought, in that 12-year period, I think I'd bought... Uh, one other property. So not a lot had happened in my portfolio. 
there wasn't a lot of action. I sort of felt when I hit five, maybe I bought two in that period. I think I bought one and sold one. I renovated it. So we were sitting at five, four for a while, out to five. Um, actually, might have got to six. Yeah, could have, could have got to six and then back to five. Five felt comfortable. Five felt like a good number of properties. My house plus four other investment properties. So, 12 years of waiting. And you, I guess you, you have it in the back of your mind that that property might come up one day, but certainly... Um, you're looking at other opportunities and you, it, it, you put it to the back of your mind. You put it out of your mind to a point that uh, if it comes up, we'll consider it at the time. But um, when this guy hit 95, I, I honestly thought he was going to go to 100. So um, I guess this sort of came five years earlier than I had expected. There's a lot of twists and turns in this journey. So it, um I was actually overseas. We were on a family vacation in Japan. We were skiing over there. And um, this gentleman's son came to the office door and said, Hey, look, um, Dad's sick. He's not well. Um, He's actually moved out of the house. Mum's gone with him. Um, The property's up for sale. Now, this was the message that was relayed through my office to me. Um, it, it, then I got a text from um, my staff member who said, hey, look, good news. The neighbours have knocked on the door. Um, the property's for sale. Can you contact them? Here's the number. Son's handling the negotiations. Um so, I got the text. I think it was, it must have, I mean, the time zone for Japan and Australia is only an hour and a half apart, so uh, I must have been up. I was probably skiing. I might have been delayed, missed the call, checked my messages, and and saw there's a message there. And I, I guess I was sort of excited at the time because I was thinking, well, hey, look, this, this, is, this is positive, this is promising, there's an opportunity here. Um it's time to sort of act on something that I've been working towards for a long, long time. So I I think I texted the guy and said, hey, look, I'll give you a call tonight. I just, you know, when, when things are hot, I think you've got to act straight away. You can't dilly-dally. Like, I think I would have texted him within half an hour of getting the, the message. So I think it was just a text that said, look, along the lines of, hey, got your message. Um, I'm... Overseas at the moment, I'll give you a call tonight, you know, 7 p.m. your time or something like that. So that also bought me some time. That bought me – so if he was considering going to a real estate agent, well, that was going to sort of put his mind at ease that he didn't need to because I was genuinely interested. Um, it was also going to give buy me some time to clear up in my mind what I was going to say to him because it was a bit odd. I'd never met this guy and all of a sudden um, he wants to sell and I'm away and I actually haven't seen the property ever inside um so i rang him that night and i said look i'm away um i'm keen i really need to have a look at it i think he sort of asked me what i think it was thought it was worth so he was super keen when someone says that i said look standard answer is um i've got to actually have a look through um i'm away at the moment i'm still away for another two weeks and he turned around and he said I don't know whether we can wait that long. So sort of a sense of urgency, and I'm, I'm logging all these things in my memory memory bank thinking um, they're very keen to sell. Should I shorten my trip, fly back early? I thought, you know, this is a once-a-year trip. It's actually once every two, year, two years that we go over there, so I think they might want a lot more than what I think it's worth. This could fall over. A lot of times they do. Uh, I'm not going to inconvenience the family to go back and, and do a real estate deal. So I, I said, look, I'm going to be back in two weeks. And he said, I'm, I'm not sure I can wait that long. And I thought to myself, well, I've waited 12 years and you can't wait two weeks? It <laughs> doesn't seem fair. Anyway, um, he's. I let him talk for a while and then he said something which was interesting. He said, look, we're going to see a financial planner 
on Wednesday. Now, he might have contacted me on the Friday. So I'm calling him on the Friday night. And then I, I thought, well, I'll buy myself some more time. I said, look, go and see the financial planner on Wednesday. See how you go. Um, I didn't say to him, don't appoint a real estate agent, but I always like dealing direct. So I, I, I probably reiterated and, and established the fact that I was genuinely interested in it. Um, and I'd spoken a number of times with his dad about it. Um, the guy that I'd bought my offers off all those years ago, he'd actually lined up a deal with the guy, unbeknown to me, but he he did tell me about that, but didn't tell me. They hadn't agreed on price, but he just sort of, they had an understanding that my predecessor would buy it. Anyway, here we are. So I said, Go and meet your real estate, uh, the financial planner and then I'll contact you the next day after that. So he said, fine, no worries. And that was sort of more or less an understanding that nothing would happen in the meantime. So he went and saw the, the financial planner and then I um, rang him maybe that the night of that next day. Uh, I didn't want to look too keen. Usually ringing in the mornings is a bit keen if people are working. At night when they're home and relaxed, um, I find it's the best time to sort of talk. And they've often got time on their hands. They're not, they don't usually have time constraints like they're at work and the boss is watching. And I didn't know the son at all, so I just, I, I went along with him. Anyway, he told me that um, the meeting with the financial planner went really well. There's no immediate urgency to get the money from the sale of the property. Um, that's sort of put two and two together and realised that if you're moving into a nursing home, you can go one of two ways. You can come up with a big cash payment to give to the nursing home or you can also go on a week-by-week payment, which now if you're on the pension, um, usually they take that into account and there might be a small top-up, but they were going to go for that option. Um, So I said, okay, I'm back in a week and a half. I'll touch base to the sun um, as soon as I get back and he sort of he cooled off a bit and he said look um, I've got five brothers and sisters uh, we're not going to make any decisions in that time now that we know that there's no immediate um, sense of urgency with the deal we'll, we'll more or less I don't think he gave me a guarantee but he sort of implied look we'll, we'll wait till you get back because we're sort of looking after mum and dad at the moment and that's keeping us busy and now that we know that there's no urgency for cash um, we will uh, just sort of keep everything in limbo. So I got back, and I couldn't stop thinking about it every time. Every day I was away, I was sort of a little bit excited, but I try to control those emotions because so many times these deals fall over. And definitely didn't tell anyone. Just told my wife. Didn't tell anyone else anything because uh, I think that with doing that, it's very easy to do that and, and that's what um, creates sort of extra pressure on yourself and extra expectations from other people. You don't want people ringing you up all the time saying, oh, have you bought that property or um, how'd you go with that? It's like, well, hey, I'm right at the start of my negotiations so uh, it's gone nowhere but thanks for asking. You know, so didn't do anything um, at this point. Um, got back, I think we got back on Friday, I rang the sun, yeah, nothing had changed, everything was still on track as before, it, wasn't, it was still in line with what we'd last discussed, he said, I think Monday was a holiday, he said, come through on the Monday, we got back on the Friday, this is January last year, 2019, uh, so... Sophie and I went for an inspection and this place was, they'd done nothing to it. It was just like mum and dad had just moved out. So there was, well, junk in every room. I mean, there's no better way of describing than that. And this guy ran a uh, optometrist business from the front of the, the, the property and he had everything still there. Like he was practicing up until six months before he got sick. Uh, I didn't know he was sick. Um, 
I saw a lot of black cars in the driveway and every time one pulled in there, I was thinking that something had happened. There was, a, there was an ambulance in there a couple of times as well. Every time that happened, it did cross my mind that he either died or he was urgently rushed to hospital. But then two or three days later, I'd see him out in the front garden wandering around. Um, so um, we had a look through. There was a lot of junk there, a lot of junk. Um, but they were good about it. They said, look, we haven't had a chance to clear anything up. Um, the son and his two sisters were there. They were still coming to terms with everything. So they were sort of having their own conversations amongst themselves. I, I said, look, is it okay if I take some photos? I walked around. They said, no problems. Um, they were talking the place up a bit. Like I, there was an air conditioner there. I said, um, how old is it? They said, it's relatively new. When I actually did the research, it was like 20 years old. needed to be replaced. But um, the house was structurally not that great. And, and at one point during the conversation, I mean, these people hadn't done anything to it for 30 years. That When they'd moved in, I think initially they'd built another room on the front and maybe a few years after that they'd built an extension on the back, a double-storied extension. The front was actually done in stone and done to match the beautiful character of the house, whereas the extension at the back was done in red brick and that was... It was... uh, There was nothing that was really done um, to a high standard in that. I mean, you could see the second story... Um, the balcony was basically about to fall down, but the balcony was made out of concrete, was actually, which was actually the roof for the room underneath, and there was water getting into the top of that. So um, there were some st- substantial sort of drainage issues there. Uh, at the top of the staircase, there was also water catching there and penetrating through the wall, and the wall was sort of all sort of disintegrating, not too waterproof at all, really. All the gutters had been falling down the shed had a gutter that was you could see daylight through it um yeah but it was a massive block 1500 square meters which was um that was the same as the two blocks that i'd bought 12 years before so this was a chance to double the size of my footprint anyway um so they asked me whether I was going to renovate it or whether I was going to bulldoze it. And I said, oh, no, I was way too nice to bulldoze. I tried to sort of bring out the best in the building. And, and uh, you know, often when people are selling their place, they don't want to be told it's going to be bulldozed. They want to be told that the house that they grew up in is going to be re- repaired to its former glory. And I guess there's also, uh, I think there's an element of attachment there when people drive past they like to be able to tell people oh that's the house I grew up in or that's the house I spent 30 years in or, um, so so we took the photos we had a brief chat to them we sort of built some uh, I sort of felt like I built a re- bit of a relationship with the son he was into surfing and he sold his business and, and so we had a surfing connection so I sort of found out that he was spending half his time in Adelaide, half his time down at the beach surfing. So we more or less sort of talked about surfing a lot and sort of implied that we'd catch up and go surfing together. So I was thinking, this is really good. Like as I walked away from that place, I thought, if I can get it at the right price, I'm really keen to buy it. And, you know, friendships are important. I didn't really connect with the two sisters, but the son was, he seemed like a nice guy. He was easy to talk to and... We had common interests, so there was a bond there. Anyway, I didn't want to look too keen. I just said as we walked away, I said, uh, I'll be back in touch with you and we'll sort of finalise our offer price. And he said, no worries. So I rang back the next day and I said, look, um, oh, before I worked out what I thought it was worth, I rang my bank manager. So these are the first people apart from my wife who I let know that I was looking at the deal. So I rang my bank manager and I rang the deal ran the deal past him. Now at that point I just told him about the property. I didn't give him a lot of specifics. I told him ballpark for what I was thinking it might be worth. And I just wanted to get his agreement in principle 
uh, whether he thought I'd be able to raise the money to buy it. Now, I'm borrowing 100%. Uh, but when I say that, I've got my loans on my other properties aren't as much as what the properties are worth. So where they're less than 80%, so where, where my debt is less than 80% on any of those properties, I can use the gap as a sort of a deposit on this place. And that's that's effectively what I did. Anyway, he was on board. He said he liked the idea. He was, uh, without looking at the numbers, he would support my application, provided the numbers stacked up. And I was going to make this offer subject to finance anyway because of the banking. The way the banking was going after the Royal Commission, banks were a lot more reluctant to lend money and much more eager to say no to a deal than they ever have been before. Uh, but the other important person that I rang, so bank manager's number one. He's one of my closest friends. Um, that relationship is really, really important. Um, we catch up on a regular basis. and I, I mean, I feel that he's been a really important part of building my property portfolio, having someone in the banking industry in your corner who can, who can bounce ideas off uh, and also... Uh, get your my deals over the line um yeah that 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 is really really important and i didn't really ever understand the importance of that but now that i've got that relationship it's it's um it's absolute gold so the other person that i wanted to run the deal past was a mate of mine another close friend not as close as the bank manager but a valuer who um has been a client for a number of years but he's He's very, very smart, very clever sort of guy. Um, way too good for just valuing houses, but he's done hundreds, literally thousands a year for the valuation company that he's worked for. So, I think he was on a, he was on a break or something at the time. Um, I think he'd actually been bitten by a dog when he went around to value a house, so he was, he was on maybe two or three weeks um, sick leave. Uh, so I rang him up, and, and because we had a good relationship, he said, tell me where it is, I'll look it up, I'll do some searches, and I'll come back and tell you without walking through it. And bearing in mind that this is borderline bulldoze job, what I think it's worth. So he gave me a number, and he said, look, your uh, this is the lower range, this is the upper range, because it's near where you are, I'd probably go a little bit higher, maybe an extra 50000 than what my top number is. So he, he sort of had a bit of the vision as well. So there you had it. I more or less had finance approval in principle, verbal, over the phone, and I also had a ballpark valuation number to work with to know what's going to be a bargain, what it's worth, what the bank's going to value it at. So I rang the sun. I was sort of up to speed with it. I, I worked out in my mind what my action plan was. So it was a fast settlement, low price. Well, low price is in the price that I'd hand on my heart. If I got it, I think that's a really good price. But also the price that if I lost it, I'd know that if I went much higher than that, it wouldn't be such a good deal and I'd be better off buying other deals in Adelaide. So I put my price in. Well, it didn't go down well. The son turned around straight away and said, oh, that's a really low offer. We were expecting another $600,000 above what you're offering. And he said, I'll tell you why. He said, well, I've been looking around. I've established that all the blocks in this vicinity are worth X amount of dollars per square metre. And he said, we've got 1,500 square metres here, so it's worth the number that you mentioned plus another 600. Now, I'd actually done a lot of research on the property, so I knew in my mind that it wasn't actually 1500 it was 1400 So he was exaggerating, and he, it was also, but I wasn't going to correct him because I didn't want to destroy the relationship at that point. Um, so I just said, look, it is what it is. That's my offer. I didn't increase it, knowing that it was, it was at the lower end of what the valuation range that the valuer had told me. Um, but I didn't want to go too high, too fast. I thought the strategy that I was going to adopt was I'd ring him maybe a week later or two weeks later and slightly increase it. 
and come and give some excuse why I wanted to do that. But I, I didn't do that. He, he said, look, um, I'm going to give it to a real estate agent and um, if we get more, we get more, but I'm pretty confident we will. We'll give it a nice cleanup. You've seen it at sort of at its worst. Well, I didn't think the cleanup was going to do anything at all, quite frankly. Um, but if it's still available, then we, I don't think he even suggested that we talk. I just said, look, that's fine. You, you do what is part of your plan and keep moving down that track. So nothing eventuated. I was a bit upset. I, I let the valuer know and I also let the bank manager know just because they're part of the journey and, they, and it, they're in this with me and it's only fair to keep them regularly updated if there's any developments because they're part of the team. And I, I want them to be emotionally involved in it as well as me. And those those are guys that I trust. And I, and I, I, I said to them, look, can you not tell anyone because this is my baby. I don't want anyone else on this. I don't want any other competition. I don't want any other of your developer mates coming in and, and stealing it over the top of me. So I watched the place like a hawk moving forward and a skip bin arrived in the driveway and they just emptied the house out. And it didn't happen straight away. It took four to six weeks, which I thought was a long time. But I guess if these guys are you know, visiting their parents in wherever they were, um, and also coming out here in their spare time and cleaning the place up. You know, it's only weekends when they can have busy bees and things like that. So nothing happened very quickly. It took a long time. It might have been another two weeks after the bin was moved that I got a phone call from a real estate agent. I'm not going to mention his name, but he said, G'day, mate. I hear that you're interested in that property. I said, okay. How'd you get my number? He said, oh, the son gave it to me. He said, they put it out to a couple of agents and someone came in and they offered a lot more than what you did. Um, so that's the price they want to sell it for. And and then I asked them, well, are you going to auction or are you going to set a price? And he said, no, no, we're going to set a price. I'm, I'm ringing all the neighbours. Well, I don't think that was true. I think he was only ringing me. And I think this was just a pitch to try to get my price up to justify his fee and get a quick sale. Because they ultimately they didn't want to spend too long marketing this place. So he he implied that they had received an offer via another agent, but for some reason, as I dug deeper, they didn't go with that agent. They went with him, and then what I later found out was then he rang the agent that didn't get appointed and said, "I'll split the commission with you if you can get that offer back on the table." Now, I think as they dug deeper, it just sounded like a bogus offer. And I said that to the agent. I said, if that offer's disappeared now, it wasn't a real offer. And I was being polite about it, but I, I didn't want to be pushed around and made feel inadequate that my offer was too low because someone else had offered more, which wasn't actually the truth. He implied that, but as I dug deeper, it wasn't the case. He said, I'll send you a letter of offer. Um, Oh, he told me a range. He said they're much more realistic with their expectations. I know that they told you six hundred thousand dollars more than what you originally offered, but they only want at that stage two hundred and fifty thousand more than what you offer. Um, so I said to him, "Oh, well, that's much more realistic." And at the lower end of that spectrum, he had a hundred thousand dollars spectrum. I'm actually interested in it at that price. So that was actually another 150 more than what I'd offered. So um, he sent me the letter of offer and I didn't do anything. I think he sent it to me maybe on a Tuesday and I was actually on a trip to Victoria to go to the Avalon Air Show. So I just let it sit for a couple of days and I didn't want it to get to the weekend I'm always worried about leaving things too long. I'm thinking that it might come out in the Saturday Advertiser as a property feature if I didn't act quick enough. Um, so I sent a letter of offer and I'd increase my offer by 150000 And I thought I should have this in the bag. They're going to be way up on what I originally offered. 
less the agent's commission. Everyone wins. And I'm still happy with it at that price. That actually wasn't – that was still going to be, I think, $50,000 less than what the valuer had said my upper range was. So I was still comfortable at that price and I didn't want it to go to market. So I think I put something crazy in there like subject to finance but with a 30-day settlement, which is very, very tight. But I was worried that I'd waited 12 years for this place. I didn't want to wait another 12 years. I was sort of a little bit worried that I might lose it. I really wanted it. It made sense. The timing was right. I faxed off. Well, sorry, I scanned an email off to the agent, letter of offer. And remember, these letter of, letters of offer aren't binding, so you could put any number down there. But I wanted it to make it as legit as possible. And I, I wouldn't change the number, even if I put the number down. I wouldn't go back with a lower number um, straight away or, uh, you know, try to use that little uh, loophole, the fact that it's not legally binding, to my advantage. So I sent it through on the Friday and waited and heard nothing. On the Monday, I got a response from the agent saying, Hello, Kim. Unfortunately, your offer has been unsuccessful. Um, if, However, if you would like to increase your offer, please do so rather quickly because we're about to put the, market, or put the property to market, which means they're going to advertise it. They're going to create a lot of hype. They're going to put signs up. And I didn't want it to go to that. But I was really, really muffed because I thought they'd caught me out. They'd actually squeezed me. They knew that I wanted it. And they'd got another 150000 out of me. Um, so I was pretty upset at that point. So I thought that was a really, really, really good offer. But they didn't. Um... Nothing happened for about uh, another two weeks. Um, a sign went up out the front of the property, massive sign. It, it it didn't it didn't really well it did stand out, but it was it's a busy road that this property's on, and it was a sideways sort of sign. So thirty thousand cars go past that sign every morning and every night. I think most people would have seen it, but if you really wanted to catch their attention, you could have put it on a 45-degree angle and done two signs joined. Um, and then it went online. But the interesting thing about it going online was that I'd always considered this property as a commercial property, whereas they advertised it under the residential section of the uh, of the website, under real realestate.com.au, as opposed to commercial realestate.com.au so I thought that was a bit unusual and I, I didn't think that that really pitched the property to where I saw it and other like-minded people like me would have seen it so effectively what they were saying was because it was a big block it was a development site for units um, and they were trying to chase developers to come in and buy it and split it up and bash it down bash the house down and put three units out the back um, and the advertisement was written factually. It didn't really dress it up. The photos were pretty average. The house hadn't really been renovated because I think they all had in the back of their mind that it was going to be bulldozed, but not for me. I wanted to renovate it. Uh, so once the sign went up, it made it emotionally harder for me. Every time I drive past it, I almost have the hands up to the side of my face, blocking out the sign and I'd be saying to myself as I was driving past it please don't be under contract please don't be under contract please don't be under contract and then I'd take my hands away from the side of my face and think oh thank god it's not under contract and then I'd get on with my day but it was it, it was that was an emotional time for me but I let it go because I, I sort of felt as though I'd been hurt and I'd been wronged by the agent. I know that's probably being a little bit too emotional about it, but I was so cross, even though I didn't show it for a moment, um, that my very, very generous offer had been rejected. Anyway, I was out to lunch 
at a place called Balabusta with a friend of mine and my phone rang and it was the real estate agent's number that appeared on my phone. And I thought, this is interesting. I'd sort of, obviously I hadn't pushed it out of my mind, but I was consciously distracting myself from that deal. But I, I, I you know, my, my heart and my hope, my expectations all lifted when I saw that on my phone. It's generally not going to ring you if it's under contract or sold. You'd see a sticker on the sign. It's more a case of um, uh, they've lowered their price. Are you interested? Anyway, the agent said to me, uh, I think I went through to message bank and I listened to the message just to make sure that I, if the, if he was going to lend, leave any tips or any trace or any information that could I could use in my negotiations, he'd left that in the message. Um, I don't think he did leave anything useful, but it's still important if you're negotiating to to let him go to message bank, not look too keen, and then listen to the message before you ring back because he might say, hey, um, such and such has happened, the game's now changed, this is the new parameters. And you need that. that's valuable if you're going back to put in to, to negotiate. If you don't know that, and he might not volunteer, he might not voluntarily disclose that as soon as you ring him back. So, um, yeah, that's important. So he said to me, um, "The family want to keep moving with the property, which means nothing, but it's code for they're keen to sell." He said, "If you, we've had a meeting, and everyone wants to sell." Um, you know, the son's price was not realistic, so we're lowering our expectations. Okay. He said, if you put your original letter of offer back in, I may be able to get the deal over the line. But don't do anything stupid and don't lower it because that won't entertain anything along those lines. I said, okay. He said to me, so I think this was a Thursday that he rang me. And it was, must have been about 12 o'clock. He said, I'm just checking my diary. I'll bring some contracts around for you to sign. And I hadn't said that I was really going to take it at that price, but he just assumed all of that. He said, you live up in the hills, don't you? He said, have you got any red wine? I said, yeah, I've got red wine. He said, I'll be up there. What are you doing Saturday afternoon? I said, I think I'm free. He said, okay, I've got to do an open, but I'll leave the open at 1, one thirty. I'll get to your place. I'll go back to the office. Then I'll get to your place at, say, 3 on Saturday. Um, now, um, I said, okay, fine, no problems. Now, I didn't really know what that meeting was about, but I was thinking that he might be bringing the contract up for me to leave with me. I don't think that I was going to... Um, I didn't really have any intentions of signing it. I probably would have just stalled him had that meeting taken place. However, he disclosed another piece of information on the phone call which was vital for my negotiations. He said, I, I said to him, who else is interested? What's my competition? He said, oh, you're... You're the best candidate for the property at the moment. There's two other developers who are negotiating with the council, but they're running into some problems and it's going to, they're six months away from making a decision. Now, he's disclosing that information thinking that he's got this deal in the bag because he's going back to my original offer. But I'm using that as information to myself and I'm thinking... I'm the only horse in the race here. I'm bidding against myself. And because I felt like he'd sort of um, not taken seriously my very generous offer, I thought it's game on. So I said, okay, no worries. I'll see you on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Just sort of playing the game, maybe just having a meeting. You know, if an agent rocks up with a contract that I'm supposed to sign, I can just say I want to think about it or 
I'm always forward thinking about how that meeting is going to go and do I really want to meet with that person if there's not going to be the outcome that I want or there's nothing worse than being pressured into signing something that you're not entirely happy about. So I'm still eating away on my lunch. I finished the phone call and I'm thinking I've got the opportunity to decide in my own mind whether I wanted that old price that I told everyone I was going to buy it for or do I want to push it to the next level? And I thought to myself, I want to push it to the next level. I wanted to go shout hard on this place. And especially when I knew that I was the only horse in the race. A couple of other things are important to talk about at this point. There is a federal election, sorry, there is a federal election looming in the background here. Um, and it's a big election. Uh, the Labor Party are the favourites and they are going to make drastic changes to property investing. They're going to wipe out negative gearing and everyone is really very worried about what that's going to do to property prices. So effectively they're saying that if, if you're renting a property for less than what the interest and all the expenses are costing, you won't be able to reduce the amount of tax that you're paying on your tax return. Um, that was sending shockwaves through the whole property industry. That might have been a reason why there was a low level of interest in this place as well. A lot of sort of so the timing was really bad and and I'd been to a I'd been through a marketing campaign not for my own property but I think I was trying to buy another property four six years earlier when there was an election in the coming up and the agent had said to me oh this open inspection's dead or I'm having a lot of trouble selling this property because nothing happens in the lead up to an election. Everyone sits on their hands. So um, that was, as soon as I knew I was the only horse in the race and I knew that there was an election coming um, and, and I was about to walk into a slump in the property market to the tune of about 20% and I checked the odds with the election and all of the bookmakers were backing this Labor Party to get into power. So effectively what that meant for me was expect a 20% drop. Now on all the properties that I'd had for, you know, I'd bought my last property, I don't know, quite a number of years earlier, they'd all gone up in VAT. So I could weather the storm on them, but you're much more reluctant to rush into a property and pay top dollar if you can see a 20% in the not, like in the immediate future, like in the next month or two because it just it just makes it all harder um and at the end of the day i really want to make sure that every property i'm bringing on board i'm buying at a discount to market and when i say at a discount to market or really good value um there's got to be a number of things that i do shortly after settlement that are going to be value adding to it so that i buy it for x but i do a couple of things like in, in, for example, this property, renovating it, cutting down the massive tree out the front that looks like it's about to fall on the property and just giving it a general tidier. I think that that would add value to it. Oh, and also changing it from residential zoning to commercial zoning. Um, that was always the game plan. That, that's got to make a property worth more because the rent, residential rents are a lot less than commercial rents and especially on this busy road, no one wants to rent a house on that busy road. I've slept in my office a couple of nights when I was doing my renovations um, back in the early days about 10 years ago and every, uh, it was almost impossible, I was on an air mattress in a sleeping bag, every time a truck would go down the road out the front, the whole building would shake. So these guys have lived there for 30 years. I don't know how they slept, but they did. They raised six kids there, uh, but it was a terrible place to live and to try to have a nice um, sleep at night. So um, the 20% drop is in the back of my mind. Um, so my phone rings. Well, I'm still at the lunch. I was half an hour later and he said, it was the agent, he said, hey, Kim, you're a big boy, aren't you? What do you mean by that? He said, rather than me driving up to your place on Saturday, why don't we save ourselves a bit of time? 
I'll email the contract to you in digital format. You can put a digital signature on it and send it straight back to me. And I said, okay, great idea, send it through. So he sent it through to me within about half an hour. And it had the price on it that I'd originally put on my letter of offer. And I think 30-day settlement. So I got it and I sat on it. I sat on it all day Thursday. I sat on it all day Friday. And then I sat on it all day Saturday. I sat on it past the 3 p.m. on the Saturday afternoon. I didn't say anything. And then my phone rang on the Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. I thought, who rings you at 10 o'clock on a Sunday? I could see it was the agent. I let it go through to message bank. He rang me seven times on the Monday. I let them all go through to message bank. I'm buying myself time. I'm buying myself time in this situation. And I'm putting pressure back on the purchaser. I'm wanting them to think that I'm not interested, that I've changed my mind, that I've got cold feet when it came to signing the contract. And that effectively rejected that generous offer that I'd made. So this was, it wasn't nasty payback, but it was a little bit of payback. Um, So seven times on the Monday, I think seven times on the Tuesday or five times, seven times on the Wednesday. And then on the Thursday morning, I got a text and I was thinking, I've really pushed it. I really do need to work out what I'm going to do. Bearing in mind too that I'd actually bought another place. I bought a house in the meantime because I'd effectively given up on this one. I just thought it was too hard and they were just fishing for too high a price. So given the fact that the other one had only just happened um, maybe four weeks earlier, my appetite to increase my debt level substantially and pay what I was prepared to pay three or four months earlier, uh, that had all diminished. So I'm wrapping this all around in my head thinking, okay, um, I was back in touch with the bank manager and he had given me that verbal approval. He knew I bought that other place, obviously, and we hadn't settled on it yet, but I wanted it to make sure I wanted to make sure that I could effectively get the agreement from the bank that I was having. Two more properties. So the text comes through on the Thursday morning. Uh, Hi, Kim. The family want to keep moving on this property. Can you just let me know, yes or no, whether you're still interested in the property? Cheers, such and such. And I thought, okay, good. I've got to make my move now. So I got the contract. I crossed out the price. I reduced the price on the contract by 250000 which was actually back to my first offer. I wrote that I needed three-month settlement on the contract. I thought when I send this, there is going to be smoke coming out of the real estate agent's ears. I wrote a little note on the email saying, Hi, such and such. I'm sorry that I've been so hard to get in touch with. I've been really under the pump lately. I've actually bought another property in the Adelaide Hills. Consequently, my interest in this property is somewhat diminished. Here is my revised offer and send it through. Kind regards. And I'm expecting him to hit the roof. My phone, I'm thinking, is going to go into meltdown. He's going to give me a piece of his mind. Anyway, he didn't. Ten minutes later, I got an email back from him saying, thank you for your offer. Is there any chance you could increase it or bring the settlement date forward? And I sat and I thought, wow, I can't believe that he's talking to me again after I've been a little bit um, sneaky with the purchase price. Um, and then I, you know, I just sat back in my chair and I just had to think about the whole situation. I thought, now if I've got that other property settling in this month and then I've said to him three months, I don't want two properties settling in one month. I don't want to kill myself. I want to actually, I'm sick of trying to do everything to please other people, especially now that I'm getting a little bit more established. They can all fit in around me, so to speak, if, if I'm going to do it at all. I mean, 
there, there, sometimes there's a cost with that. But in this situation, I thought, you know what? It's take it or leave it. So I went back and I said, I'm sorry, mate. It's a take it or leave it offer. And I, you know, at that point, I was sort of free. I was thinking, they're never going to accept this. This is crazy, but it's worth a try. And I've got my hands full with his other place now. Anyway, he emailed me back another 10 minutes later and said, uh, okay, no problems. Leave it with me. Just thought I'd ask. And I thought, you know, just trying it on. Just trying it on. So, um, it went. So I didn't hear anything then for a couple of days. And I think they had to have a family meeting. I think he told me that afterwards. And he came back to me and he said, um, he rang me and he said, I've got good news. You're not going to believe this. But they had a crisis meeting. I don't know what the crisis was about. I think it was because it was taking so long to sell. And, and remembering we're now going to be settling seven months after we originally started talking. He, he said, he sort of dilly-dallied and I said, so did they accept the offer? And he said, oh, yeah. Yeah, they've signed the contract. Um, when are you going to be free to sign it? Because he actually wanted to, he didn't want to do it digitally anymore. He wanted to get it all in. I think it was actually a big deal in the end. And he didn't want to have it all floating around with digital signatures. He wanted a cold, hard copy of the contract with everyone's signatures on it so that no one could change their mind. Um, and I, I said, well, I'm free this afternoon. Come around. So he came around and he said, he, so he sat down in my office and he said, and this was good, like, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe my luck. Um, I was happy at that price. Uh, I, it was a price that um, I felt because of the value add that I wanted to bring to the table with what I was going to do, um, I was going to be somewhat sheltered from the 20% projected drop in property prices as a result of the abolishment of negative gearing. So I was really, really excited about it. I mean, this had been a a real fight that popped into my head every day over the course of six to seven months. And don't forget, I've been waiting 12 years. So he came and sat in my office. We had a coffee and he said, mate, you've played this game really well. I take my hat off to you. And I thought, well, I'm glad that you say that, but I didn't really think it was anything different to the normal. I mean, that's normally what I do for my clients when I'm helping them negotiate. And I've seen some really clever, mainly lawyers actually, negotiate and the skills that they've used. So when it's my own deal, I can step back a bit from it um, and bring all of those tools to the table, use all of those techniques and roll it into my deal. And... I'm getting, but as you do more and more, you get less emotional about it, uh, and you're happy. Well, and my my test is if if I don't get this, can I get on with my life and hope for another opportunity to come up that'll be just as good? So it's like if I don't get this, well, I'm going to get another one. So we signed all the contract and it was done. And so as soon as he left the office, I sent it to my bank manager and I said. Now, I don't have to pay stamp duty on this, do I? Because I know that the government's abolished stamp duty for commercial properties and this is a commercial property. He said, hmm, leave it with me. You've done it on a residential contract. I thought it should have been on a commercial contract, but I'll see how I go. So he's got some advice from his legal team at the bank and they've said, they've come back, he's come back like two hours later and he said, Maybe it was the next day, actually. I think it was. I think I spoke to him two hours after I spoke to the agent. He came back the next day and he said, hmm, I was right, unfortunately. You're going to have to pay stamp duty on this, which was another 45000 So my calling off had just started. So what do I do? Do I take it? I thought, bugger it. No way. I don't want to lose forty-five grand like that, especially when I know I'm the only horse in the race. I'm going to cool off. Now, you're probably thinking that I'm mad, but um, 
you got to understand my circumstances. I'm, I'm almost, yeah, nah, about it. Like I've already bought another property, which all my time, energy, effort, extra resources is already going into. This is just a bonus. So unless it's completely palatable to the to my liking, I'm not going to entertain it. I'm sort of using that other property as a bit of leverage here, but. You know, they're both great deals. I and mean, this one's turning into an amazing deal if I can get away with it. But um, I just called off. I sent him a letter saying, I sent him an email saying, I want to exercise my right to call off. Well, he rang me, I reckon, within two minutes and said, what the hell are you doing? And I was on a father and son camp. And I think it was on a Saturday. Maybe no, maybe it was on a Friday. Maybe I missed his call. on. Maybe I sent it on a Friday at five. I think I might have. And then he rang me Saturday. Maybe he rang me Friday night. I let him go to message bank. Then he rang me Saturday morning. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure that I was on a father-son camp out at Brown Hill Creek. And I remember going through the reasoning on why. Anyway, after it cooled down, he said, All right, I will draft the contract up and reduce the purchase price by $45,000. i am not sure how I'm going to go. Leave it with me. And then the Sunday came. I didn't hear anything. He rang me first thing Monday morning and he said, they've signed it, but they don't like you. <laughs> and I thought, well, I actually haven't been rude to them. I've just been, I guess, hard-nosed about the way that I've negotiated with them. So in the end, I got it for $5,000 more than my original purchase price, my offer price. Um, and from other real estate agents that I've spoken to, they've said he would have definitely had to take a, a big hit on his commission as a result of, you know, the whole journey that he'd been on with the family. And he said to me, you know, don't you feel bad about this, mate? He said, they took their chances. He said, I, I don't feel bad about it. This is the agent talking to me, which was nice of him. He said, um, you know, they, they took their chances. They... In hindsight, everyone knows they should have taken your original offer. I know it was genuine and I know you would have stuck by it, but they didn't and they paid the price. Um, so I got it at that price um, and I settled three months after. Um, there was a little bit of toing and froing with getting the finance approval, but the bank came to the party. In fact, what actually happened was um, on two similar properties near there, I had them professionally valued and because this new building was so much bigger, if you that they and they had a consistent valuation basis between those two properties, but if you and so that they they looked at the number of square meters of the building, and they applied it to a, a rate per square meter that properties in that locale should have been rented at, which came up with a number. Then they capitalized it at a, you know they divided it by like six or seven capitalization rate, which ended up with a valuation number. So I extrapolated that or applied that to this new property and it meant that it was, if I got it, if I did a renovation, which I thought was going to cost me roughly $100,000, the end valuation I'd worked out was going to be $600,000 more than what I was paying for it. So there was a massive upside on it. And I'd run that past my banker and I'd run that past the valuer, and they both agreed with me, and they said, yeah, if you do that and you get it rezoned, you will get that valuation. So I don't, don't, I don't want to sell it at all, no intention, but I'm very, very interested in what valuation is going to come back at. Um, and so when, so then my mate who's the banker, he actually did all the background work while my day-to-day -day banker was on two weeks annual leave. So he got all approved while my day-to-day -day banker was away. But when my day-to-day -day banker got back, he said he actually had to lodge all the documents, I think, with credit. So I think that maybe my mate didn't actually go through credit, I think. Or maybe they collect, Maybe they did together. But anyway, my day-to-day -day banker came back, my manager came back and he said, as soon as I put it up to credit, they didn't come back with any questions. And he said, that's almost unheard of now. So they got it too. They must have worked out that, you know, the story behind what I wanted to do with it. And 
had factored that into what I was going to pay pay for it and knew that there was a huge upside. And every time I've put a a um a pitch to a bank to borrow money and I sell them that story, um, because I've got a track record which is now sort of almost lining up with those stories that I'm telling, they're much keener to lend money. Uh, so um, here we are now. Um, this is about eight months after I actually settled on the property. The, the family were fine. They didn't actually hate me. Uh, I, I settled a week late and they were lovely. They It actually made me feel a little bit bad on negotiating so hard. They said, look, if, if he settles in the next week, we're not going to charge any penalty interest. And I, went, I wasn't asking them for that because it was the bank's fault. So the bank had actually offered to cover it, but they didn't actually have to pay anything. So, um, And then, ironically, the old guy died um, and they came back and they wanted to know whether they could cut some flowers out of the garden. And I said, absolutely, to put on his coffin. So that was a nice touch. Um all the garden's been ripped out since then. <laughs> but that's all part of it. You know, I've got it. I can do with it whatever I like now. But I think that just keeping the, ha- the, the building is just going to be special for them. But reminds me, I've got to get them back after I've finished renovating it and show them through the place. Because I'm sure they'll, they'll be happy with the way it's come up because it looks amazing. Um, yeah, so just to fill you in, I'm almost completed... I've almost completed in my renovation of the place. I've gone over budget by another 50 grand. Happy with that. Um, the result is really, really good. Probably better than I expected, um, which is always a good good sign. You know, when you go into these big projects, you have a picture in your mind what it's going to look like. Um, this is actually turning out a lot better. So I'm really happy with where I'm at. I just thought that I would sit down and share that story with you and hopefully you got something out of it. Thanks for tuning in.